everyone, and welcome to the Adventure Within Reason podcast, episode number 34, Upper Sioux Agency. I'm Kelly. And I'm David. And we are very excited to tell you about this park that we just up and decided to visit over Labor Day weekend for going our normal Labor Day weekend visit to the state fair to check some new parks off of our list. So we checked this one and Camden off of our list in the same day. Camden, that episode is coming later, but we're here to tell you today about Upper Sioux. So, oh. Yeah, we had kind of a uh, just spontaneous weekend away from home and went out to western Minnesota to check out, check uh, two new state parks, n- new to us, obviously, um, off our list. So we, as Kelly mentioned, we got to f- visit Upper Sioux Agency and, and Camden State Park and, uh, yeah, swing through New Ulm on the way back, a favorite small town of ours. Uh, Kelly, do you want to tell me and uh, and our, our dear listeners out there a little bit about Upper Sioux Agency? Yeah. So there's sort of a big question surrounding this park that we'll get into a little later, or maybe we can get into right now. And it's that ownership of this tro- this park is reverting to one of the local tribes. So it's... Why don't we start with where is this park and maybe just a little bit about the park, and then we can talk about um, the, the the future of the park. Sure. Okay. So this park is way over in western Minnesota. I don't actually, David. Do you have the name? Uh, the park is is uh, is nearest to Granite Falls, Minnesota. That's the nearest town. Okay, so it's about two and a half hours west of the Twin Cities, west and a little bit south. It was established in 1963 as a way of preserving the historical site. This was yet another site in the U.S.-Dakota War. And the Upper Sioux Agency was established there to receive money from the Native American tribe that was there. We'll get into history in a little bit. About the park itself, it's a little over 1,200 acres. It has horseback riding, fishing, a sledding hill. Apparently, it has great shorebirds, but I don't think we saw any, did we, David? No, we'll get into the birding report a little later in the episode. But um, yeah, no shorebirds that I saw. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of killdeer out in that area. But yeah, yeah, more more on the birds we saw in, in a few moments, a few minutes, rather. It also has grasslands, wetlands, Prairie. I'm not actually sure about the distinction between grasslands and prairie. Maybe that's something I'll dig into for our Camden episode. Uh, And it has a lot of burr oaks, which are these huge kind of crazy looking oak trees. And they're the oldest in the park. So, you know, if you get there, hug a burr oak because it's been there for Mm -hmm. a little bit. Does Upper Sioux Agency, uh, do portions of it constitute uh, oak savanna or am am I mistaken? I would think so, yeah. All right, so kind of a mix of forested areas and uh, and oak savanna and the hike, the hiking trail, or I'm sorry, yeah, the hiking club trail, which we're going to talk about a bit uh, later in the episode, sort of traverses all of those different habitats. So that'll be fun to talk about um, in, in in a few moments here. Uh, but yeah, maybe let's let's backpedal to something you started to talk about a minute ago, Kelly, and just sort of address the big story that's on everyone's mind. Everyone who who is uh, preoccupied with Minnesota State Parks, that is, which if you're listening to this, uh, is obviously you. Um, this park is going to be closing. We don't know when. We don't know exactly how. Uh, I, I believe something you and I have talked about, Kelly, is that um, there is apparently a law, a federal law, that if a state park is closed. Uh, by the state government, 
in which it you know exists, uh, that state has to establish another state park in the same, maybe not in the same immediate area, but at least in the same region. Is, is that correct or am I mistaken? I think it's actually any public lands. And I don't really know, we can look deeper into this and have an update when we're on Camden, but yes, when a recreation area closes... The state is bound by federal law to, op- to open up another recreation opportunity in the sort of same area so that people aren't losing out. Do you happen to know uh, what that law is called? I mean, or when, when it was brought about? Maybe one of our listeners uh, knows the answer to these questions because I'm curious. I mean, I, I think it's a great law because, I mean, it, it stops... Uh, it stops states from sort of diminishing the amount of public lands and the amount of uh, opportunities for people to get out and appreciate the outdoors in a, in a sort of uh, public land setting. So I'm, I'm curious how that law came about, but maybe we'll have to do more research before we can before we can uh, tell all the listeners out there. Um, we are going to be recording an episode on Camden, as Kelly mentioned earlier, uh, which we visited the same day as Upper Sioux Agency. So we've got a we've got a little bit of a homework assignment for for us and. We will do our best to to get the answers uh, for ourselves and also for all of you by episode uh, 35. One of the biggest things, one of the biggest questions we've been getting about this park is how to get there. And let me tell you, David and I had a real misadventure getting there. So I have directions and some hot tips for you in order to get you there with the least amount of fuss. First, yeah, everybody... Multiple people warned us before we went to this park, and especially when we announced that we were going there, you know, a day or so before for our trip. Um, but we still were not prepared for how maddeningly frustrating it was to get into the park. I, I will say on a personal note, I, I kind of squandered the first 10 or 15 minutes of our of our hike because I was still so anxious and stressed and upset because of the amount of time we spent just getting into the park. And then um, something we've forgotten to mention up until this point is that we were actually uh, rendezvoused with uh, our friend and fellow adventurer, Jill. And uh, Jill happened to, to enter the park at the opposite or on the opposite half you can basically there are two entrances to this park and we happen to go in the one that she didn't and what we found out is that it's actually much easier if if you're meeting a friend there uh, and that happens to you it's much easier just to set out on the hiking club trail and meet them somewhere in the middle than it is to to exit and try to go in the same entrance they did because we're talking uh even though it may only be about a mile as the crow flies uh as as the car travels it's about 15 miles because you basically have to do this giant loop-de-loop to, to get into the other entrance and so my suggestion to all of you if you're planning a trip to upper sioux agency in the near future before it's uh, closed to the public is to get a plan with your friend who you're meeting with in advance, because once you get there, your your cell phone reception is going to be spotty at best, and it's going to be very frustrating to try to rely on a last-minute change of plans. So have a plan in place before you get there. Please do yourself a favor, uh, learn from our mistake, and don't wait until you're in the area to to get your ducks in a row. If it, if if you're meeting up with someone, that is because it's just uh, you're you're not going to do yourself any favors. Yeah. So I think there were a couple things that kind of happened to us in trying to get to this park. One, I think, David, we got kind of freaked out because people kept telling us, oh, 67 is closed, 67 is closed. Okay, you all. 67 is closed, at least as of date of recording, which is 
September September 10th, 2023. 67 is closed permanently for about a mile between the two park entrances, the entrance for the Yellow Medicine Campground and the entrance for the Visitor Center, which is no longer open. But if you enter the Yellow Medicine Campground into your GPS, it'll get you there, okay? You can take 67 out of Granite Falls, get to the Visitor Center turnoff, and then 67 closes almost right after that. So you can still take 67 to get to the Visitor Center Park. You just have to come through Granite Falls. Okay, the other thing that sort of throws for a loop is that 212 was detoured. And I'm going to get into this story a little bit. We uh, were trying to follow the detour for 212 as best we could, being a little frazzled and a little bit lost at this point. And all of a sudden... I realized there was a state trooper behind us. So I was driving with caution and, you know, kind of a little bit under the speed limit because we were both lost. And two, I'd never been pulled over in my life. And let me tell you, (laughs) uh, that state trooper, that Renville County trooper, pulled me over for going 45 and 50 in a 55 mile an hour uh, zone because he apparently thought that we might be drunk at 9 30 in the morning which was a new one for me yeah he he told us uh i mean he, he didn't come right out and say it but you know we we sort of pieced together what his assumption was and what happened is he saw us switch he saw us pull over and um kelly took over driving for me because i had been driving all morning and was quite tired and he thought that we were switching drivers because uh, one of us was drunk and or, and or didn't have a, you know, an, an up to date license because uh, he followed us for about five, at least five miles, it was a long way. maybe even longer. Um, he basically followed us from where we turned off that highway until right before we got to that, that town. What is that town on the edge of uh, maybe it's not on this map. What do you remember the name of that town? That's like just east of Upper Sioux. Is it Bird Island? No, we drove through Bird Island. Okay. It was it was a different one. Sacred Heart. Sacred Heart. Yeah, yeah. We we had just driven through Bird Island, uh, which is a small town. Not you know, it, it seems like a perfectly nice town, but it does not live up to as a birder. It does not live up to the uh, uh, what the name implies. So, uh, but yeah. Anyway, it seems like a nice town, and we drove through Bird Island. And uh, at some point, we realized because of this detour that we had just gone a little bit too far, and so we were going to do a little U-turn. Uh, when it was safe to do so. And then uh, I, I asked Kelly, I said, you know, we're only a few miles from the park. Do you mind just taking over driving? And so we pulled over on the shoulder, put our hazards on, did everything we were supposed to do to, you know, to be safe and uh, alert other drivers to what we were doing. But there were no actually no other drivers. But apparently, unbeknownst to us, uh, there was a state trooper sort of uh, hanging back, uh, I guess probably shooting radar or something. He saw us change drivers and then do a U-turn and go back onto this driveway, uh, driving toward, um, what was it called? Sacred Heart, mm-hmm. which is uh, just uh, just shy of where the park is. Followed us for a while. I think he was waiting for us to uh, to to get nervous and do something foolish, which we didn't do. Uh, we were driving a few miles under the speed limit, and he used that as a pretext to, uh, to pull us over. And uh, poor Kelly is not used to dealing with law enforcement, unlike unlike myself. And uh, just was you were kind of a nervous wreck, babe. Uh, but <laughs> but I will say uh, this state trooper did not give us a ticket once he realized that we weren't inebriated and that we weren't um, 
uh, once he realized that uh, we were not inebriated and that we were not on our way to get drunk at the casino, which was his assumption, we showed him the map of the state park where we were going, and he did his best to help us get there and understand the detours and not get lost again. So yeah, I guess um, we should just tip our hat to that state trooper because he he really didn't have any reason to pull us over. I think he was just kind of fishing for, uh, you know, maybe assuming the worst, you know, because I don't know. I don't know what his reasoning was, but based on the questions he asked us, I, I think he thought we were uh, not in a position or not in a condition rather to be driving. But uh, that little mishap notwithstanding, we, we got to the park relative in a relatively okay amount of time. Um, but it was once we were close to the park is when it got really frustrating. And that's when we uh, started to kind of lose our minds a little bit. And, and to, to top it off, we were trying to meet up with Jill, who uh, was not that far away. But because we didn't know whether we should um, backtrack and go into that other entrance or not, or just go down the hiking club trail, uh, we were just sort of, uh, we sort of got option paralysis and I was getting more and more stressed. And that's why I suggested a moment ago, you know, have, have a plan in place before you get there because the, the, your cell phone connection is not going to be uh, ideal. It'll be very, very spotty. All that, all that long-winded uh, uh, anecdote out of the way. Um, should we talk about the hiking club trail or do you have more you want to say about? I have directions to give. Oh, you still have directions. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, go ahead. No, that's all right. Okay. So a couple tips. Like I said, the really big irritating detour is trying to get from the Yellow Medicine campground to the visitor's site. Because like we said, 67 is closed for a mile, which means you have to take either a 17 mile or 21 mile detour. So that's a nightmare. So figure out which one you're going to. As I said, you can enter the Yellow Medicine Campground as your site. GPS should get you there. If you're going to the Visitor Center, here we go. Get ready. If you're coming from the Twin Cities, take 212 West, but keep in mind 212 is going to be detoured for a little while. Okay. Um, And by a little while, I mean as you get closer to the park, it's going to be detoured for 10 or 15 miles. So here's what you do. You take 212 West to the little town of Bird Island. In Bird Island, you'll get on County Road 11 and follow it to Granite Falls. When you arrive in Granite Falls, you're going to get onto 2367 West. That road will drop you off. The last turn-in you will be able to make before the road closes should be the visitor center. And again, if you're meeting folks, best to... Pick either the Yellow Medicine campsite or the Visitor Center, which, like we said, is no longer open. Pick one of those two. Meet them there. You'll have a great hike. And uh, both parking lots lead to the hiking club trail. Yeah, speaking of parking lots, though, I wanted to clarify, because I honestly can't remember, but I, I, I wanted to at least clarify for our listeners so maybe other people have an easier time of it. If you choose to enter Upper Sioux Agency through the Yellow Medicine campground uh, entrance is there an actual parking lot or do you just have to park like because what we ended up doing was uh we ended up just parking right by that entrance there's a little ranger shack there we parked there we did our, our few hours of hiking with jill and when we came back to the car to leave there was actually a ranger there which was a bit surprising because we were of the understanding that uh rangers really weren't or, or that, that, that upper sioux really wasn't being staffed because of its uh impending closure but anyway, we, we did happen to run into a park ranger who told us it was okay to park there. But is there like a proper place to park on that side? There is. I think it's over by the campground, David. And we were just so flustered at that point that we just drove right past it. But it's noted on the maps. 
Is in it's for people who are just there to hike, or is it only for people who are camping? No, it's there for hiking as well. Okay, good, good, good clarification. Um, you know, I I would like to make it back to Upper Sioux now that we've gotten all the uh, uh, the directions and our 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 un- unpleasant little anecdote about getting pulled over by the by the uh, state trooper guy. Because um, this was an amazing park, the hiking club trail. It goes through forested areas. It goes through Oak Savannah, as we as we talked a bit about earlier. Um, something I want, like, I guess, a positive anecdote that I want to share is that once we met up with Jill and set out on the hiking club trail, I think I saw more monarch butterflies at one time than I'd I'd ever seen in my life. It was maybe every twenty or thirty seconds I would see one or two just sort of flutter by, you know, almost at eye level, just making their way south toward Mexico, and. Yeah, this is something that's not necessarily uh, um, specific to Upper Sioux Agency, but it's just sort of a general ecological concern is that the monarch butterflies are now on the endangered species list, which is really sad and shameful that we, I guess as a country, we can't really get it together enough to do what we can to um, restore the the habitat that these creatures need because they basically they're 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 only in North America is my understanding they I think they go from Canada through the U S and then they the they end up down I think somewhere around Chiapas Mexico and because of uh, habitat destruction in Mexico because of a lack of uh, because of lack of food sources for them all across America and Canada because people don't plant butterfly gardens <laughs> which is something that could be done so easily there there is there has been a tremendous decline in their in the monarch population. Well, not just not plant butterfly gardens, but they tear up a lot of native plantings, Mm -hmm. which are what the butterflies have evolved to use for nourishment on their way. Yeah, I mean, I I, I apologize. And also, I don't apologize. This This is a bit of a tangent, but I think we have enough strip malls. We have enough parking lots. What we need to do... Um as individuals and as communities and just as a country is try our best to restore as much uh, native wildflowers, just um, uh, just sort of native habitats in general, because it's not just monarch butterflies, it's birds, it's all, all manner of creatures that uh, have historically called this part of the world home, and we're not doing enough to to facilitate um, their survival. I, I think it's uh, it goes without saying that Kelly and I are of the opinion that uh, we should all do what we can as individuals and uh, and collectively to be stewards of the land and to try not to destroy habitats and, and undermine the species that live in those habitats. And the, I was something I was thinking about a lot when we were at Upper Sioux was just how it would really be uh, just a great tragedy if we, if we lost the monarch butterflies or if, if their population continued to decline. Because really all, all we need to do is, if you own property, I know a lot of our listeners are homeowners, the least we can do as individuals if we're in a position to do so is plant a butterfly garden. This past spring, we, Kelly and I, you and I, planted a very, very small butterfly <laughs> garden. We, we, you know, look, we live in an apartment, so we, we can only do so much uh, as individuals. We, were, we happened to be hiking. At, we did a lot of hiking, actually, this past spring at Lebanon Hills Regional Park. And one or two of the days we were there, there were volunteers with, uh, I forget the name of the organization, but there were volunteers giving away milkweed seedlings, and you could just take as many as you wanted. And even though we don't own a yard, we don't own property, uh, we, we took about three or four of them, 
and we got a planter to put behind our apartment building and we planted all of them in that planter and we did see a couple of monarch eggs on a couple of them uh, th- throughout the summer and because because milkweed is a perennial you can um if you're in if you're in the same position as us and you can only do a container garden you can actually bring those in over the winter and then put them back out in the spring and they should come back and if you have a yard you don't even have to do that just plant them in the ground uh do whatever you do at the end of the growing season and then in the spring they should come back and they should be there again to uh to help the butterflies uh along their their life journey their life cycle Okay, so David, talking about native areas and native plantings, do we want to chat about the hiking club trail? Because I really liked this one a lot. Yeah, I'm sorry. We keep digressing and putting off this. Because, uh, th- I mean, the, <laughs> the hiking club trail is, is going to be the main discussion for this episode because that was uh, that was basically what we did there. You know, we, we finally got there and parked and met up with Jill. And we did... According to the map, it's about four miles. It, it really didn't feel like four miles, but I suppose it was more or less, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess so. The official tally is 4.3 miles, but mm. you, Jill, and I said that it felt like a lot less. But also, we were talking, you know, we were chatting and having fun the entire time. So, Yeah, maybe we should just assume, we should just take the map uh, at face value and just say this is uh, roughly a four-mile hiking club trail. And... Um, Part of it goes through the, uh, the what, what is the agency building the, the where we where we you can do the self guided tour with the interpretive signs and all that is that is that anything you want to talk about Kelly? It's the sort of reestablished Upper Sioux agency building that would have been a government I don't know if it was a military but def- definitely a government outpost I think probably a military outpost shows you how much I remember from our <laughs> self guided t- tour. But uh, it was rebuilt in the 70s, and uh, who knows its fate now that um, that land will be reverting away from Minnesota. I think a great deal of the park maintenance, um, I guess specifically related to like things like the, the self-guided tour around the Upper Sioux Agency building, um, I think has been taken on by the Minnesota Historical Society. And as Kelly mentioned, uh, one thing we learned doing that, that tour with Jill is that uh, yeah the building is not the original building from you know back in the 19th century it is it was basically rebuilt uh, to the as as close to the original specifications I guess as uh, as as the historical society could figure uh, back I, I want to say like in the early or maybe mid 70s um, and there's just uh, it, it's a lot like uh, uh, Fort Ridgely State Park where you and I went there a couple winters ago and did that self guided tour around the um, that I guess were what historically was the settlement there. So, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it, it may, you may have, you dear listener may have the same impression. If you visit upper Sioux, you may do the self-guided tour around this, uh, this building and, and, and be reminded a bit of the, of the tour that, that you can take at Fort Ridgely state park, which is sort of in the same general region as, as, uh, is Upper Sioux, a little bit a little bit closer to, to New Ulm, I suppose. Yeah, so something that I want to talk about, David, because we've mentioned it a few times, is that we're not going to get into the nitty-gritty of this park reverting back to the local Native American tribe because there are not currently a lot of details available about when that's going to happen or what the state, the you know, the new recreation opportunity is going to be. What we will say is that this park... The hiking club trail was really enjoyable. I really think that if you can scoot out there before the end of October, you'll be able to see some great, just have a great experience out in a great Minnesota prairie. 
it's a it's a great um mix of elevation too i remember lots of a lot of a lot of ups and downs on mm-hmm. the on this hiking club trail um little uh, adventure that we had with jill um you'll go through forested areas as we've mentioned definitely we we reckon we definitely recommend stopping and checking out the uh the interpretive signs around that the upper sioux agency um building and um just yeah make the most of it i mean we we happen to be there during the fall birding migration so i got to uh make a lot of stops and let you and jill sort of move on without me while i was watching uh yeah i saw a lot of western kingbirds which are which really cool for me to see they look a lot like great crested flycatchers which we get here uh in our in our part of minnesota a lot during the summer uh they've got those yellow bellies and the, they just they they look very very similar uh to the great crested flycatcher but we don't see them very much here in the, in the cities um but when you go out west you know toward blue mounds and toward uh you know, toward the part of the state that starts to kind of slowly become more prairie uh, as you get closer to the Dakotas, you will see a lot more western kingbirds because that is uh, right on the edge of their breeding range. Another migratory bird that I saw coming from the opposite direction, coming from north of here and northeast of here, uh, was was a lot. We saw a lot of Nashville warblers, which are uh, gray upper bodies, yellow bellies, uh, white eye rings, just really uh, just fun, fun warblers to watch. I don't think they nest in our, our corner of Minnesota. I think they, they just pass through. Um, we, you know, we do have warblers that nest here. The, the yellow rumped warblers, I think, stay here. The yellow warblers. But yeah, a lot of the warblers that we see in the southern part of Minnesota, we only see in the spring and toward the end of summer into the fall when they're, they're going back, back south. So it's, uh, yeah, you always have those couple weeks in the spring and those couple weeks in late summer, early fall, when you get to look forward to, to looking for the migratory warblers once again. So I had a lot of fun watching the Nashville warblers. Other than that, not a lot of a birding report for me because we were mostly talking and we hadn't seen Jill in quite some time. And we were just enjoying the, uh, the, the physical aspect of getting out on the trail. And as I mentioned a moment ago, going, going, uh, up lots of hills and down lots of hills and going from oak, oak savanna into, you know, deciduous forests and just stopping and taking in the views. And, you know, the co- the colors aren't starting to change quite yet, but, you know, I think we may have seen some sumac out there that was starting to turn red. And, you know, those are the kind of things that you stop to appreciate. So sometimes you can't, sometimes it can't be all about the birds as much as, <laughs> as, as much as it pains me to say that, but Suffice it to say, this is a great park. And um, yeah, I guess, you know, as as Kelly said a moment ago, we don't want to put our our collective feet in our mouths and talk about things that we're not really in a position to talk about. You know, if you want to learn more about the Dakota War, there are plenty of uh, scholarly works out there that you can read. If you want to know more about uh, what's happening with this park in terms of its closure and what's going to be opening up in its place, uh, all we can say is you have to just keep up with... uh, with the news coming out of the coming out of Granite Falls and and uh, do your best to keep up with it as we are, but we really don't have a lot of information because uh, as far as we know, not a lot has really been made known. So a lot of it's still up in the air, as far as we can tell. One thing I do want to say because we'll get this episode out in time, perhaps for somebody who's adventurous and can make last minute plans to go stay in one of the teepees, which are open until September 25th. Mm. And while David and I haven't done this, one of our fellow adventurers, Adam, has a teepee report for us (laughs) from when he was out there. So we're going to throw to that and listen to what he has to say about staying overnight in a teepee here. And without further ado, this is going to be our first Minnesota State Park lodging report. So 
Um, let's let's put it over to our friend Adam, our our lodging correspondent. Hello, adventurers. Oh, I've always wanted to say that. And welcome to the Upper Sioux Agency State Park TP Reports. Uh, my name is Adam Prowatsky, and um, I was out at Upper Sioux Agency on, um, let's see here, uh, Sunday, May 28th. And this was my first uh, hiking club trip since um, 2022, uh, where I finished um, around Veterans Day weekend with uh, Grand Portage and just beat out the winter weather for the year. Um, so I went out there uh, to kind of hit about six, seven parks, one of my bigger uh, treks. And um, yeah, just a little bit about the teepee and the Yellow Medicine Campground. I'm sure David and Kelly have covered this already, but uh, the teepee sites, there's three of them. They're out in the Yellow Medicine Campground, kind of on the east side of Upper Sioux Agency. And um, around 2019 or so, if memory serves, um, a, a large portion of Highway 67 collapsed at the park, um, which uh, kind of joined the east and the west side with about a mile stretch of road. Now you've got no choice but to detour and take about a 15 to 20 mile um, uh, way around that collapse. So a little inconvenient, but um, if you read your maps and plan ahead, you won't get uh, confused by that. Um, anyways, I'm sure David and Kelly have talked a lot about that. So I arrived, um, like I said, on May 28th, and it was uh, unfortunately in the mid to high 80s, not exactly my uh, kind of sleeping weather, but I planned ahead and kind of saw the heat wave coming um, and pulled into the Yellow Medicine Campground, and uh, I was really struck by um, how large the teepee was. Um, very tall, and when once you're inside, the door's a little... Um, tough to kind of get through. <laughs> if, if you've seen one before, it's, uh, um, if you're a big guy like me, kind of waddle in there, but yeah, really big diameter and uh, really nice as well. Um, uh, one thing, if you've seen the TPs on the, um, Wikipedia page and have seen their kind of ornate and painted like that on the outside, um, uh, lately they're not quite like that. They're just kind of plain white can uh, canvas on the outside. Um, but there are nice um, painted runners on the inside, um, so it's not completely just uh, bland and white. Uh, some nice artwork on the inside. Um, like I said, larger uh, than I was expecting and uh, relatively bug-free. Um, just a couple tiny little ants crawling around on the ground, but um, yeah, really uh, no problems with bugs like uh, wasps or things like that. Um, so if you plan on doing a teepee stay, and there's a couple places you can do that, um, one is Upper Sioux Agency, which is likely to not be a state park next year. So your time is running out quickly. Um, but also, I believe Blue Mounds and uh, closer to the Twin Cities, Afton State Park um, has uh, TP sites available for overnight stays. Um, what I did to stay comfortable is I got a bug bivy. And if you've ever seen that, it's kind of a... Uh, kind of like made of laundry basket material. It kind of is a one person size and it kind of domes over you and just keeps the bugs off of you. It's really handy to have. Um, I wish I had bought one where the uh, legs were a little bit more uh, tented because the fabric just kind of drapes over my legs. So um, buyer beware there. Um, when, I've, when I'm in a site that has electricity, I can kind of almost inflate the entire thing by uh, uh, 
dragging a, a fan cord into the bag with me and it kind of inflates the whole thing like a uh, like a lawn decoration for Christmas, you know, like the big old snow globes with Santa inside <laughs> kind of just puffs the whole thing up. Uh, got a foam mattress and an, uh, a foam pad and an air mattress. And uh, what really saved my bacon out there was a battery powered fan that I picked up from Amazon. Um, it's just basically a power bank like you use to charge your phones. Um, and also the blades were kind of LED lit too. So it kind of served as a nightlight. So cheap little uh, piece of junk, but really kept me uh, comfortable. But by the time morning came, um, it was it was pretty frosty in there, um, relatively speaking. Uh, temperatures really dropped overnight and uh, not much insulation in there. So um, it was pleasant, um, I would say, after midnight or so. So uh, bring blankets, I guess, if you're going to be out there uh, this time of year. I forget exactly when they wrap up, but I would imagine probably not much later than uh, maybe late September, early October for um, TP sites. Um, so... Why did I stay in a TP site? Well, um, like just getting to Upper Sioux Agency in general, I kind of became obsessed with the park over winter and uh, started hearing more about, hopefully that didn't uh, come through, um, started hearing more about the um, the closure and the meetings they were having at um, uh, the city of Granite Falls, kind of discussing the pros and cons about that. But uh, more broadly, I'm just kind of in- interested in uh, weird lodging that they have available at the state parks. So just to go through a couple things I've I've stayed, uh, a couple places I've stayed at, uh, Burt's Cabins at uh, Itasca State Park, really um, pretty ritzy. Um, I stayed at the farmhouse at uh, Fort Ridgely. And um, when you turn the heat on in that place, the ladybugs will uh, pretty much come out of the walls to greet you. <laughs> There's a lot of ladybugs in there. Um, I've stayed at many camper cabins. My most recent one is uh, Lake Vermilion Sudan Mines camper cabins. There's eight of them, and they are really, really swanky. You should check them out if you ever get up there. Um, coming up next for me is uh, a three-person yurt at um, Glendalow State Park in October. I'm really excited about that. And that's pretty, my la- pretty much my last um, weird lodging that I've been looking to get to. Um, so I guess all that's left is a wall tent. Um, they've got one of those at Afton and I might hit that up pretty soon. And I guess beyond that, maybe I should just buy myself a, a regular tent and stop being such a fancy boy about lodging. So anyways, uh, the TP one of a kind experience, uh, make it happen if you can. Like I say, w- with whatever happens with uh, Upper Sioux Agency, you'll have a chance either at, um, I think, a Blue Mounds. And uh, I think I'm incorrect. I think I said Afton has teepees, but it, I don't think it does. I think it has yurts. So I think there's maybe one more place other than Blue Mounds that has teepees. But give it a shot. A lot of fun. I'll never forget it. So uh, back to you, David and Kelly. All right. Thanks, Adam, for sending that in. Um, and, and just for future reference, if you are out there listening and you have something you think is uh, germane to uh, an upcoming podcast that we're going to put out, you know, if you know we're going to do an episode on, say, uh, Atasca State Park, we're not actually doing one. I'm just using that as an example. If, if you, but if you happen to know that we're going to be doing an episode on this or that particular state park and you have uh, an anecdote you want to share or maybe you've got an actual uh, report that you want to send in like Adam did that was specifically about, you know, lodging in the teepees there, don't hesitate to send us an email with an audio file attached to adventurewithinreason at gmail.com. We love hearing from people out there, and uh, this isn't just about us. We, we love to hear uh, what other people have to say about the parks. And Kelly, did you have something to say? 
Please don't send it to us as a Facebook message because we can't download those audio files. Make sure you send them to the email. And David, I'm sorry, we just kept talking, alluding to the Hiking Club Trail, but I didn't really get to say what I wanted to say about it before I got distracted by TPs. That's okay. We're still recording. <laughs> so uh, this is a great trail. Like we said, it's apparently 4.3 miles. It felt like less to us. And we were out there midday on one of the hottest days of the year. So um, a couple things. If you're going out in the fall, now that fall weather seems to have well and truly shown up, I think it'll be a much more enjoyable hike. But still make sure to carry plenty of water on you. David and I went through three liters between the two of us just on that trail alone. And it wasn't it wasn't nearly enough. So that Remember, uh, a baseball hat won't go amiss here or some kind of a hat, sunscreen, and bug spray. And I really liked this trail, David, because like you said, nice changes in elevation. A lot of it was cut through prairie, so kind of space for three of us to walk abreast and have a conversation. A good mix, I think, of a little more strenuous hiking and then just sort of some enjoyable walking in between. Very enjoyable, um, but also a little bit challenging, you know, going with the ups and downs that I keep alluding to. Um, really great hiking club trail. Um, the only other thing – oh, I wanted to clarify one thing. You said before we, we we cut to Adam's report. Is is it definitive? Is it set in stone that, that the TPs are only open for the rest of this year? Or is it possible that the, the park might not close next year and that people could come back in the spring? We just, We just don't know, right? We don't know, but if the park is still a Minnesota State Park next year, TP's open Memorial Day weekend, and they run through September 25th. That's the date for them. Okay, so um, we will probably get this episode out in the next day or two. So you still have, you said, until the 25th of September. So uh, once this, the, you know, when this episode comes out, it's brand spanking new, you will still have a week, maybe two weeks to, um, I mean, I don't know if the TPs are already reserved for the rest of this year. Or I guess you'll have to, you'll have to do that. You'll have to look into that yourself, dear listener, and, and see if there are any, uh, if there's any availability um, otherwise, if you don't have to stay in a teepee, you could just rent one of the campsites too, right? So I would recommend if you're listening to this, uh, you know, at, more or less uh, as soon as we release this discussion, I recommend getting out to Upper Sioux Agency and checking it out because it, it, we really don't know. This, this, this could be the final season this park is open or maybe, you know, maybe the wheels will turn slowly as uh, uh, some people have speculated may happen uh, maybe maybe you'll have one more season maybe two more or maybe this is the maybe this is the final run i i we really can't say uh, how long it's going to take for this park to become officially closed so please get out there while you can it's a great park we're we're that's our new cuckoo clock. I don't know if you guys can hear that. We picked up a cuckoo clock in New Ulm uh, after this, uh, after our hikes at Camden and Upper Sioux. So I was kind of hoping that clock would make a little appearance <laughs> on the episode. So I'm, I'm glad it got in there. Anyway, that's all I have to say about Upper Sioux. It's, it's an amazing park in a really uh, off, glorious, often overlooked corner of Minnesota. Don't, don't. Uh, don't skip out on the prairie areas of Minnesota. You know, I wouldn't recommend going to the prairie parks in, in winter, but spring, summer, fall, there's a lot to appreciate and a lot to enjoy with parks like this or, or Killin' Woods or Camden, Blue Mounds. Uh, the list goes on uh, to some degree. <laughs> okay, that's our episode for this week, Adventurers. Two quick plugs. Watch for our episode on Camden. 
three quick plugs. I think our next episode after Camden is going to be Jay Cook. So if you have anything you want to send us about Jay Cook State Park, we'd love to either read it for you or have you send us an audio clip. And the third is we are doing our annual Thanksgiving hike. We are doing it at Afton, I think. David and I are both transplants to the Twin Cities who never have enough PTO to go see family for all of the holidays. So this is our tradition. We like to do group hikes on Thanksgiving, so we hope to see you at Afton. And that's, uh, do you remember the day? Is that November? I mean, I know everyone knows when Thanksgiving is, but is it's it? It's Thanksgiving. It's thanks, thir- the last Thursday of of, uh, of November, right? I had to think about it for a second. <laughs> the last Thursday of November, we will be at Afton State Park. Uh, meet us there at 10 a.m. if you care to. If you um, just want to spend the, the holiday with friends because you maybe you don't have family in the area, or maybe you just want, need a break from your family, uh, <laughs> come, come, hang out, come hang out with us for a short uh, early winter hike at Afton State Park. It'll be our third annual Thanksgiving State, Minnesota State Park hike. The first one was just the two of us. Last year, we had a small group that met up at Interstate State Park, had a lot of fun there. And um, yeah, regardless of how many people show up to this uh, this third one, I know you and I are going to have a great time, Kelly. But I do have to correct you. We actually have four announcements because we have to do our, our, our plug for our sponsor, Ashley's Vegan Sweets. Oh, Ashley's Vegan Sweets will also be a Twin Cities Veg Fest, along with me and David and Rachel and Austin, friends and listeners of the podcast. And that is on September 17th. And she has a spiced apple caramel truffle and a, what was the other one? A mini donut truffle, I think. Yeah, lots of good treats uh, that she's going to be selling September 17th. Twin Cities Veg Fest. Uh, just Google it. I don't. I think it's usually at the U of M. It's I, at Lake Harriet. It's right by us. Oh, it's at Lake Harriet. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's really that. That is really close to us. Um, so yeah, check out Ashley's Vegan Sweets at at the at this year's Veg Fest. You can also find her on Facebook. Uh, she's got a group page where you can uh, contact her and place uh, you know like a custom order for delivery or pickup. Um, Ashley makes really great truffles and now she's branching out and she's doing things like granola um cakes maybe yeah i think maybe cakes now yeah she uh, ashley's really branching out and doing lots of other um plant-based sweets and treats so please give her some business tell her uh adventure within reason uh sent you and she'll probably give you a little discount too because she's really nice and really really uh really gracious um so check that out and do we have any other events to plug? I guess the Thanksgiving hike will be the last group hike of the year. Yeah. So I hope to see you there. And um, yeah, check out our upcoming forthcoming episode on Camden State Park. And until then, see you next time, adventurers. Ooh.